Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good afternoon from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Time was, was that close? Did I miss the music? Close. I, well, I, I still Twilight can't. Zone close. Yes, I still can't hear the music. Drew's here. Drew, what's up, dude? Glad to be here. Since Drew's here, you know what that means. It's not raining. It's not raining. It might <laughs> no, but there have been times we've had them on. I it swear, might rain before it rained dark. afterwards. Yes, <laughs> yep. So that's why we got Drew on here because it hadn't rained at Stoneville. We missed the rain Friday night, so we're going on I don't know ten or twelve days now without rain. So we thought it was the appropriate time to get Drew in here so he could no, bring make the rain. it make it rain for no, it us. It did rain over the weekend. It didn't rain much. It rained over the weekend. I don't know how much it rained, but it did. In fact, rain. There was precipitation. Well, it was not an appreciable amount of rain because we planted buckshot on Monday. The other thing that's happened here, not novel or anything, but it's rained at the building several times this year and not rained on the north end of the farm where we are. Mm-hmm. Drew's here. Naturally, we're going to talk about irrigation. And when we're recording this, it is prior to Memorial Day. My question for you, Drew, is what's your favorite Memorial Day activity? Doing nothing, I guess. That's my quick, my quick response. That's kind of weak. <laughs> it is weak. Let me. That's my first reaction. Let's see. Barbecuing and being outside with the kids. Very American. Very I'll, American. I'll allow it. I've sprayed a lot of plots on Memorial Day over the years. I say a lot. There have been a number of years I have come and sprayed. I a think few we plots. calibrated one year. Multi booms one year on a Memorial Day. If I'm not mistaken. I've almost always had to come and raid a few plots. Yeah, there lies the my first response of doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice to get a that is, day in the summer when you don't have to do anything. That's they are the, few and far between. Which is why you have me here, but that's the kickoff, right? I mean, for at least for my area, my area of, of work as well as the focus changes over. And, and so it's about to crank up. Yeah, no, we're spraying beans left and right. To my knowledge... A lot of pipes out on some corn, maybe, maybe not have water running through it. I don't know of any that's I have running. not seen it yet, but it's, like, like I said earlier, I got my first should I irrigate phone call this morning. So it is, it is getting close. So I think that's about right. I mean, we planted a lot of corn in March, in mid-March. By the time we drop this, we'll be in the last couple of days of May. So, yeah, that, the time is right for that. In the years I've been here, that's usually what I remember is like the last week of May being tassel and corn type growth stage. A guy mentioned to me at church on Sunday that he saw some tassel and corn coming over the overpass in Yazoo City. There's been one year, Tom, I can remember seeing tassels in April. That had to be the year that we had a warm last week or two of February, and there were a few acres that went in in February. I, I won't even throw out a number on the year that possibly would have been. That's been 12-plus years ago, I would think. And, again, only that one time that I remember since we've been here at Stoneville. Well, what are the moisture sensors saying? Should people be asking you right now, hey, should I irrigate? Should we? We can have that conversation, but is that something that should be factored in? I mean, just easiest things to go off the conversation I had, I, I guess, this morning and talking about the question, should we irrigate? It's they're getting close to tasseling, not tasseling yet. And I say this last few, several, probably every time I'm on here, but the, the biggest areas where it helps me 
as deciding when to irrigate on using moisture sensors is that initiation and the, the very ending, uh, determining when to um, cut off that irrigation. In between that, you know, when it's hot and dry, there's not a whole lot of conversations that people want to call and ask me about because it's hot and dry and you, you try to keep up with it. Other than catching that or having that rain forecast in the in the future of, you know, we got 70% chance of rain, we can make decisions on, I can hold it off for several days because of my moisture sensors. But really, I mean, that that's it in a nutshell on irrigation management with moisture sensors is holding off a little bit and being confident when we want to initiate that irrigation and then the termination side and then uh, being being good managers in between and, and understanding when and uh, what chances when, irrig- oh, when rainfall is coming and making that call uh, a lot more accurate and more efficiently. Even if we're not needing to irrigate right now, this is a great time to monitor root growth. And, and that's not only just making the simply of when to irrigate using moisture sensors, we are able to to monitor that root growth. And right now, uh, I think Larson says that 75% of the roots get established during this late vegetative state. And so we're in, trying to encourage that growth and those root growth. And so just as we start to get into summer and get these higher temperatures, a rapid growth going on, some of them are going to look a little bit stressed and they start to twist their leaves. And that's when the phone calls start coming if we, or, or the polypipe gets gets rolled out and turned on and, and ready to irrigate just by the, the look, the visual look of the crop. And doesn't necessarily mean it's hurting for moisture. And so with those soil moisture sensors that we have out in, in our corn fields on farm and, and on station as well, we're looking at as those root growths and get deeper into the soil, we can see that moisture being taken up at different depths. So if we have six and then we see have 12 inches and then down to 24. And that's what I'm looking at is at 24 inch soil moisture sensor, how much is it's being used right now? And so it, it, it's been using that six inch and 12 inch. Let's encourage it to grow, go look for that water. And then we're seeing an uptick in that water use at that 24 inches. And I want to hold that off as much as possible. We don't want to risk any, any yield hit, but that I want to see root growth. I want to see utilizing that deeper depths, get those roots get down there. And then ideally having that tassel and coming out, I want to be wet and, and irrigate. If I could time it just right, be try to look, hold off as long as possible and irrigate as we come into tasseling so that it has plenty of moisture as that water use curve goes, goes up quite a bit. So do you want that profile charged prior to tasseling or just it needs to be in the ballpark. Of I think the ballpark, I mean, it, you know, every situation and sure is you all going to be completely, yeah, all different. Um, but if, if you have it charged at tasseling, I think you're, you're safe and you're not going to get behind. I mean, it, you got to play into all those other scenarios that are going on. Uh, plus how many days it's going to take you to get around. If it's taking you five to six days, trying to hold off on that first set as long as you can, but not have that last set too late as well. I mean, that general rule of thumb of having it charged right there at tasseling, you're going to be sitting pretty good. I think when folks are listening to this, I think there'll definitely be some water running. I'm sure there is now somewhere that just the three of us haven't talked to those people. Have you been keeping up with the moisture sensors you have in the ground down the road at the West Farm? And what's the profile look like in those situations that you've got those in for research purposes? So I've been looking at it just before I came in here, and we're just ramping up water use down at that 24. And and we typically see roots down at 36 inches for corn and water use being, water being pulled down at that depth. But that 24 inches is what I'm really looking at right now. 
from the rate of being you know drying down is starting to ramp up a little bit, which is good. That's what I want to see. I, th- I think you can set yourself up or hurt yourself long term at this stage by by irrigating too early. And so managing that depth in the root growth, establishing itself, getting getting it established, and then holding off, but not holding off too long, getting yourself set up for, for a long season. Yeah, it's fixing to always do that, isn't it? Yes. And who knows what the summer's going to bring. Drew, do you have sensors out in other places? That's typically how I gauge a lot of what's going on growth stage from each crop. Uh, not just on station. I mean, it, it is mostly probably on farm. And so from our research uh, on farm sites that I have that are, we're evaluating uh, automation and irrigation, pump controls and, and valve controls, but also have soil moisture sensors in each one of those sites. So that gives me reference points is that I can look at to see different regions, different areas, different crops and different growth stages to be able to look at and see what's going on. So I have 11 on-farm automation sites that I have sensors scattered out both in the farmer side and the automation side. And then we have probably about 30 soil moisture sensors that I have county agents have installed with, with farmers going from Tunica down to uh, Essequina County. And so scattered throughout. And so I, I'm, I can see all of those soil moisture sensors. The agents are, are looking at those moisture sensors and working with the grower. And so we have some training that's going on with that, with the, with the growers and the irrigators to teach them how to use soil moisture sensors, but that also gives me a, a good bank to look at and monitor moisture sensors going on. Can you say kind of what you're seeing in those, say south to north? From a planning date stage, uh, we're a little bit further behind up north than going down south. And so just in general, they're further behind. The one that I looked at before I walked in here that I mentioned earlier, there were probably 10 days about out of tasseling or so. And that's where we're, we're seeing some rampant use at, at 24 inches, which is good. And we're trying to hold off as long as we can to get it, get it to tassel before we make decisions. So in, just in general, I think planting deck probably makes a, a big effect on, on what we're seeing on soil moisture sensors. And then we've we got them both in corn and, and soybean. And so, you know, just the acres too, probably most of those are going to be in soybean. Um, but just out of the corn, we're further along uh, south. I was thinking about there's been some latitudes that over the past couple of weeks have gotten rain that other latitudes haven't. So that's, I guess that was the source of my question. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And and I guess it was last week I saw a lot of spot showers, really yeah. small isolated showers um, where, I mean, just that down were pretty the road, significant. That were significant, at yeah. Times, and, yeah. And so some sites got those and some did not. And you, know, you talk about the root growth and the sensors and what amounts to pulling roots down, and you're not pulling roots down, but you know, encouraging getting a deeper root system. I feel like, and Tom, you might can chime in on this. In the time we've been doing this, do you feel like in recent years we've talked more about growth staging corn and like in the case of Drew anticipating tassel emergence? Do we is that a bigger deal now than it was? When we first started, or did I just not know what I was doing back then? No, I was going to say, I, I, I think you're on to something there, because in the years that we've been here, which, you know, like 17 for you, 16 for me, Drew hasn't been here that long. But the bulk of any of those... Drew, Drew's just a baby. Yeah, he is. In any of those years, it seems like we were more focused on 
When do we make the fungicide application? When do we put out fertilizer? Now it's the tassel fertility shot. And do we make a fungicide with that at the same time? So it seems like there's more management alternatives when we get to this point in the season than what there has been. But I do think we talk more about some of those things now than we did 15, 16 years ago. Grow staging rice. I mean, I've always done that. But I feel like with corn in the South, it's become a bigger deal talking about that and really getting into it and tailoring the management based on grow stage and not just these big windows of lay-by herbicide application and then we roll pipe and start water. I mean, that kind of was a, a rule of thumb at one point before we had some real precision in the way we made these decisions with the moisture sensors and, and things of that nature. How many people that irrigate as a general management on their farm are using or relying on moisture sensors? Is, there, is that a big percentage? Does it increase every year? Well, I hope it increases every year because that's where we spend a lot of our time trying to do and train and get that adoption up. There's several different mechanisms to try to get at how many are using it. The NAS survey asks that question. We're actually really ranked pretty high relatively uh, across the nation. So we're, I think we're about 25, 26% have, and that was whenever that came out last, 2018, 2019, that are using it, which is one of the highest states in the, in the country that are using soil moisture sensors. And in the amount of time that's gone by since then, you, you got to think that number is quite a bit higher than that now, just for the simple fact, like you said, y'all have put a lot of effort into it. Other people have put a lot of effort into it. The consultants talk about it a lot more. It's much more at the forefront of people's minds. So I got to think that number is high. I don't know how, I have any idea how much higher, but it's got to be higher than and, that. And now. I seem to see more of those marked in fields even now than what I did in the last few years. Because I've driven by a few places in the last few weeks and thought, hmm, okay, I know that farmer pretty well. That's the first time I've ever seen that in that field. Yeah. Like I said, I, ho- I hope it is. And then we went through a lot of conversations with growers that I've had that, that jumped out and adopted that and, and is using the soil moisture sensors um, across their farm. And then we had a, another group as far as adoption curve goes the hole there was was training and understanding how to use them, where to install them in the field, how to install them, how do you take these numbers and use them. And that, that rolls into that county extension program that I have where the county agents have been supplied with moisture sensors, train them, and, and they're working one-on-one with growers. And so there's you know there's different levels of, of use and different levels of need, understanding how to use those soil moisture sensors. We're trying to to, to equip that with through one-on-one training, through YouTube videos and how-tos and, and fact sheets, trying to reach across all those different angles of, of, of methods to get that out as well. But I think it's been increasing. I, I hope it has. We'll see. Another area that I've seen with moisture sensors that help, and I think it's probably in, gone to the increase of adoption as well, the easiest thing for me to somebody call and ask about irrigation questions is if they have a soil moisture sensor, I can answer that so much easier. Because you get into when is the last time they irrigated what, and how effective was that irrigation. And the same thing with rainfall. It, you could have had an isolated rain shower right on top of that field or, or across their farm. But at the rate of that rainfall as well, how, how much infiltrated into the ground, how, much, how deep did it go, and how effective was the rainfall. So it's, it's extremely difficult to really 
know by looking at the top of the field or the crop and without knowing when they irrigated, how well their irrigation is, how effective the irrigation is, or even into that end of rainfall to really know when to irrigate, especially these, these first initiation irrigations and then really being competent on, on terminating, when to terminating. So using the moisture sensor, I think one of the, the biggest advantages that growers have told me that they see is how effective rain is. Is, is their irrigation working? Is it infiltrating as much as they, they thought it was, or is it just shooting straight across the, the field from the top to bottom and, and they really are not getting infiltration in the field? And that goes into a lot of other management uh, conversations we can have, whether it's tillage or or uh, how their irrigation uh, plan is. Can we slow that water down uh, as much as possible to, to slow it in and get a little better infiltration? And how to use, use rainfall events to our advantages. Of, and sometimes it may have rained and it didn't get down there. And so we're not utilizing that as much as they th- maybe thought they were. And so we need to irrigate uh, pretty soon after that. Well, what about rice, Drew? We spent a good bit of time talking about corn, but we're probably getting close on flooding some rice throughout the greater part of the Delta. Yeah. A few sites that I'm working with as well, they, I think this week, next week, they're going to start planning on, on flooding up. And so working with rice growers, there's, there's some alternative irrigation methods that I'm working with them on. Side inlet is the most commonly used and, and beneficial as far as uh, from the farmer's standpoint, ease and getting that water across and we should be more efficient. And then AWD, alternate wetting and drying, and that probably less used and adopted, but we're working with a few, and that falls into the automation on-farm uh, research that we're looking at as well, being able to have triggers on-farm to tell us when to turn the well on and, and, and when we can cut it off. And, and something new I've added this year is just looking at, um, it's preliminary, I have a thought and idea to see if we could save water using it this way, but for those conventional or cascade flooding uh, systems, just putting a sensor at the bottom of the second to last patty. And then once it gets to a certain height, cut the pump off and then letting the the rest of that flow for, as it goes across those levee gates to fill up that bottom patty on its own without having to fill it up before you cut it off. And we, we think we can save a decent amount of water by just cutting that well off before it hits that last patty. And so I've got a couple of farmers that have agreed to, to allow us to put sensors and, and pump controls on their field. So I'm looking forward to, to those results as well. Yeah, that's interesting. What's your feel on the fur irrigated rice this year? How many sites do you have for it? One of the things we're looking for was conventional and AWD. I do know it was harder to find growers to work with on those sites because a lot of them said we're doing row rice this year. Okay. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you've all talked to Hunter or, or you have any idea what the percentage looks yeah, like. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he threw out a number. I think he said twenty percent. I don't that know how. Right. I don't know how confident he was in that number. It's because it's been a, like a month ago, mm-hmm. and there were still a little bit going in the ground, and then probably some might have even been up in the air. Which I think that's one of the advantages, right? Sure. Uh, later decisions. Talking about planting time or soybeans or or rice, I guess. It just seems like to me through conversation through several rice growers that I I feel like the row rice has gone up this year. And so, you know, Anna's project that that y'all are involved with as well, um, looking at irrigation frequency, understanding when's the right time to irrigate, how much water use goes goes along with different frequencies of irrigation and, and the nitrogen management. So, Still looking at that, still trying to figure out what, what's the best method. Um, I think on average, it's probably about three days, three to five days is, is what most people are doing. 
but there, there's a lot of mechanisms that we can add to that. And some of the pump controls and automation, uh, I think, is starting to be implemented in that and just, just running it a shorter amount of a time, but more frequently. You know, that's what we're trying to look at and understand how much water use and then with effect on the, on the rice. Well, it's 85 right now, according to my phone, Tom. So this is whatever day this is, Tuesday. Tuesday the 23rd. I guess that's probably about the warmest day we've had in the past few since since probably. Thought we had some that were in the nineties last week. Yeah, last week we did, but last week Friday, Saturday, Sunday were cooler. Were cooler. So I mean, we're headed back that direction. Drew's time to shine. Hopefully, mine's wrapping up. We're spraying a lot of beans right now. Still got to take care of some rice and cotton. I'm still in the bullpen. Phone's not ringing very much. Give it another month, and the phone will just continue to ring. And that's you know nature of the beast so you should have chosen your career better and <clears throat> jason so how get, about i put it to you like this i get I done had, with all that by the time it gets hot i had no idea that this profession even existed when i made that choice well you should have asked somebody because i could have i could have steered you to a cooler profession it's okay you and don y'all are always sweating gives us a much more rosy outlook on life drew thanks buddy appreciate it We'll get you back in here and talk about soybeans when the time is right. Hopefully that is later rather than sooner on the soybeans. That's right. Yeah, as always, feel free to give me a call. Look me up. Happy to help. Drew's got the Delta wrapped up, and I'm not just patting him on the back because he's in here, but they've got a lot. They can collect a lot of information in a hurry, and they get around a lot. So if y'all need anything, I know that he's more than happy to help. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. 